Midsommar. Tagline. Hashtag relationship goals. <laughs> I, really, I, I really hope your boyfriend listens to this show. I really, really do. Welcome to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil in Toronto, Canada. You are listening to episode 227 of the Matinee cast. That was going to be my cold open. Yeah. I was going to talk about how I should like start this show with the okay. theme to 227, yeah. but nobody would get that. Oh, you know I, mean? I wouldn't. Well, you'll get that, yeah. and I'll get that, and nobody maybe else. nobody yeah. else. Um, but it is episode 227 of the Matinee Cast. It's a movie-loving podcast on the movie-loving website, thematinee.ca. Your home for cinematic passion and perspective. Gang, we are officially past the halfway mark of the year. You know, it seems like just yesterday we were all bitching about how lousy a year 2018 was, but in seemingly a blink, 2019 has gone and left itself half empty, or half full if you're an optimist. At the cinema, it's been, well, not exactly a bumper crop. By most accounts, this year has pretty much been us, book smart, and then a whole lot of maybes. But that's okay, because the second half of the year is coming with a great deal of hope and engagement. We have miles to go before we sleep, so let's start walking those miles together, and I'm delighted to start out on those miles with today's guest. See, she's a friend and a voice I deeply cherish, so much so that I often ask myself, what would Petula think? and then try to act accordingly. Doesn't always work, but at least I'm trying. She is she is shaking her head, she does not believe me. She is the killer voice behind In a Tiff and she's joining me in Midtown on this lovely summer Friday night. Please welcome Petula Neal to the show. How are you, Petula Neal? Good, but whatever uh, opposite of a what would Jesus do shirt for me, like <laughs> that should be your goal. You should oh, really? think of what I would do and then, and then maybe- Don't do it? Maybe. I don't know, but really- it, I don't know, man. You know, when I ask myself, what would Ryan think? That usually yeah. is where things go very badly. I mean, maybe you split the difference. Okay, fine. Yeah. But that doesn't, that's, that's not a slogan. Yeah. I can't hashtag that. <laughs> that, that. That would be the whole tweet. That's not a hashtag. Um, on episode 227, we will be discussing Midsummer, and we will be spoiling the holy heck out of it. Is that how we say it? Midsummer, yeah. Not Midsommar? No, I, I, it might be how the Swedes say it, but I, I can't yeah. get that off. Um, so yeah, consider yourself warned. Um, and we will, of course, then turn the record over to play the other side. First, we need to learn more about Petula. This is Know Your Enemy. Miss Neal is a six-timer. We first sat down on episode 131. We talked about Jupiter Ascending and learned that the first movies she'd ever seen in a theater were Gandhi and Out of Africa. The last movie she'd seen at the time was I Know That Voice. The worst movie she'd ever seen is Howard the Duck. The unseen classic or essential is Avatar, and she's now seen it. And the film she'd wish she'd made was Pulp Fiction. Then on episode 153, we discussed The Witch. Uh, we learned the movie that... Um, she digs that most people don't is Untamed Heart. The film everybody else likes that she does not is Under the Skin. The movie to make her cry with an asterisk is the Snowman commercial at Cineplex from Christmas several years ago. That new commercial is not doing it for me. With mm -hmm. the multi, with the, the no, 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 none of the commercials not, have been as good right. since that no, one. No, no, they have. They can't get the magic back. Yeah. In the movie of her life, she'd be played by Michael B. Jordan, and the movie she was watching next was Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Then on episode 162, we talked about Star Trek Beyond. We learned the film that made her love a film turn a corner is Afterlife. Her first date movie was The Bodyguard. The sick day movie of choice is Dave Chappelle's Block Party. The last films, plural, to leave her speechless, were Precious and Hunger, and her epitaph would be You Get What You Settle For, from Thelma and Louise. Then on episode 185, we talked about Professor Marston and the Wonder Women. 
The film she likes but never wants to see again is Shame. The film that genuinely freaked her out is Get Out. The movie that always makes her laugh, again, is Dave Chappelle's Block Party. The soundtrack that she likes the most is Sleepless in Seattle. And the film she loves that seemingly nobody has heard of, including me, is something called Mystery in Between. Last but not least, episode 210, we talked about widows. We learned that when she goes to the movie, she usually likes to sit in the back row to avoid the kick factor. If she could go on a date with any movie character, she would choose Mallory Cade in Haywire. That's Gina Carano. Yes, I would. Yes, you would. Yes, I would. The dirtiest movie she's ever seen is Shame. Her favorite mm-hmm. black and white movie is She's Gotta Have It, which I've seen finally, by the way. Ah. And the film, oh, I forgot the last answer. The film she would like that nobody would expect her to like. I don't remember the answer something. to this. Yeah. Check the show notes. I'll include yeah. that answer. Time for round six, Petula Neal. When you go to the movies, what is your snack of choice? Bourbon. What? Uh, and if I assume that you would not like that answer, mm. even though I, I say it's a valid snack. No, let's stay. Let's stay with yeah. that for a minute. Like, are are you are you holding or like do you go in order? I mean, I I have my flask. Right. For, I mean, I always have my flask during TIFF. <laughs> right. Yeah. But like, just for like a regular daytime movie, I don't always go with bourbon. So like, the okay. alternate actual snack would be uh, peanut M&M's, but they're loud. Yeah. So instead of yeah. biting them, I kind of let the candy oh. and chocolate melt a little bit, and then I crunch that nut. Oh, yeah. You're <laughs> I was telling somebody today about the fact that if there's an audio version of me blushing, it tends to show up just about every time we sit down on a show, uh-huh. um, which I'm sure people can hear now. Uh, I would think that the loud part of the peanut M&M's, because I am a fan, would be the bag. It's the bag, but if you if you get it all the way open first. Oh, you oh, yeah. you were talking like forethought. Yeah. Oh no, I never had. I mean, listen, you're talking about forethought, and you're bringing your flask. I don't yeah. have enough forethought to bring a bottle of water. Right. They're they're pillaging me for for four fifty. Yeah. You know, whereas I can just like fill up something from the tap at home and and, and save myself some money. Um, hard liquor in the movies. You know, I haven't really partaken, and I, I am a fan of of all sorts of hard liquor, but I've never actually. I don't think I've, like, I've ordered a beer at some of the VIP ones now and then, but I, I, I haven't really been drinking and movieing. Am I missing out? Nah. It depends on the movie, I think. A time what, of day. What, well, time of day, sure. But what kind of movie demands a bourbon? I Did would, this movie demand a bourbon? Uh, this movie, I probably would have wanted some sort of like weird, clear, somebody went to Europe and brought back somebody's you know, grandmother's bathtub moonshine. I would not trust that after watching this movie at all. But like, that's like, what would I, make I, it fun. I, you know, it would, yeah, sure. Yeah. But I mean, after this movie, like, I, it is nothing but labeled bottles for me yeah. for a good long time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think you, you're kind of inspiring me. I gotta, next time yeah. I go to the movies, I gotta order something a little harder and see how it how it helps. I mean, a grown-up movie, a movie with maybe some adult themes, something that's at least a, thinking, a 13 plus. Maybe, but I'm thinking yeah. even just like bourbon while I'm watching The Avengers would be fun. Uh, I had bourbon when I saw it the see, first of saying. the three times. I had my <laughs> flask that night. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm missing out. Yeah, right, I had a little uh, Basil Hayden with Endgame, sure enough. Yeah. Is that a brand of bourbon? Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. I gotta try it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you could, if, mm-hmm. if such technology existed, what movie world would you like to spend a day in? Uh, the Fifth Element. Oh, really? So th- there's always this question, first of all, for people of color. Anything in the past, not great, Bob. Uh, so, <laughs> and in the future, in a lot of uh, sci-fi fantasy films, Still often, great, often the president's black, as they are in right. uh, Fifth Element. Also, yeah, yeah. 
clothes are great. Also, the world seems to be overpopulated with people who look like they could be models. Spoilers for Fifth Element, a lot of the characters with a few lines are models. <laughs> uh, and uh, while it does seem like, you know, there may be some tough issues with the economy, overall, they got the flying cars. Mm -hmm. You got the possibility of having Bruce Willis as your cab driver. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what everything else? is colorful. Everything, everything is bright. It's not like it's not like a Blade Runner future. You yeah, know what I mean? or or even like something kind of half broken, like a Looper future. Yeah, you got Ruby Rod on the wires all the time. Yeah, super green, man. Yeah, super green. Yeah, I uh, yeah. I'm, I'm in favor of this. I really and truly, I just want to experience a world with flying cars. I it, it on the one hand, it seems to me like a terrifying idea, but on the other hand, it also just seems so damn cool. And, and, like, that we could just, like, open so much up. Yeah. You know? So so that, and you get to go to space. Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, you get to meet, like, a really, really just, like, wired up Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker's still a thing. Yes. And, you know, in the and, and again, a black president, which... It's, uh, right now, that's, uh, you know... Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. try it. Let's, let's, yeah. let's try it again. Yeah. <laughs> and again and again. Yeah. Um, I like this answer. Yeah, we we had uh, people are wondering as well. We had a longer conversation about uh, Fifth Element back during the Jupiter Ascending show. So I'd say go back to that show and listen to us wax on about that movie. Um, Patula Neal, what is your favorite good scene in a bad movie? So I was initially picking scenes from the Twilight movies, but I don't think those movies are bad. I oh, just think no, that they're bad. I think I've that seen, wait, I should I should qualify that I've seen one and yeah. I've seen scenes from another and I'm going down with so that. I can give you just my straight clean good scene from a bad movie sure. and then I can okay then we'll come back to all right okay all right, so the right. good scene in a bad movie um, uh, Suicide Squad mm. when uh, spoilers for Suicide Squad so if you haven't seen Suicide Squad I guess um, fast forward a couple <laughs> minutes or just be spoiled is, and yeah, don't yeah, watch yeah, it because exactly. it's not that good. Yeah. Um, but Viola Davis, there's a climax point where the characters have caught up to her slash have to save her from a bunker. And then she just disposes of the rest of the staff slash witnesses very efficiently. Yes. And that one moment, uh, oh, this could have been a whole other movie. Mm hmm if it had been more like the Amanda Waller story, I would have, right. I would have watched oh, that yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it, it took you out of it one. Cause it was just very different tonally, but also like for a moment I was like, I'm interested in this movie again. Mm -hmm. And then immediately I wasn't. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it went right back to it. Yeah. I feel like that is many of the DC movies in a nutshell. Yeah. Like, you know, like, let's, let's kind of put... I almost picked Wonder Woman's entrance, but it's too short, and there's too much terrible stuff around it. Her entrance? like Her, her entrance walk, in Dawn of Justice? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. You know, like, it's... That, that's... We'll, we'll put the Wonder Woman film and Shazam over in one little column here. The rest of them all I'll, are... I'll let Aquaman swim over there, okay. too. Okay. Yeah. The rest of them all... You can... You can see yeah. glimmers of what they could be if they let themselves have any fun, if they weren't trying to be so full of themselves, if they weren't supposed to be so grand. And I say this as somebody who likes things about the movies and likes the characters full stop. Yeah. Um, 
you often get that in those movies. You get that that quick moment of Holly Hunter and and Jesse Eisenberg, you know, like like trying to like outsmart ass each other yeah. in, in Dawn of Justice, or like you said, like Wonder Woman's entrance in that movie, or or in Man of Steel, like the whole thing, the whole like oil rig save in Man of Steel, you know, and then the movie goes on, and it's like oh, this is what we're gonna be. So the Twilight ones, oh, and yeah. I will say that those aren't bad movies. They just are not. We are not the target market. Those are very good movies for their target market. And I feel like the sort of, um, especially at that time, dominated by older male um, film criticism world, came down with their lens on that so hard that it was, when you go back and watch those with like a more objective eye, there's some beautiful shots. There's some weird stuff. Yeah. Uh, so in the one, in uh, I believe it's in New Moon, sure. uh, there's a beautiful shot of the Sam character doing the cliff dive that I think almost uses a similar camera move to what there is in one scene in Midsummer when you are coming from behind the car and sort of go over and then you're inverted. Right, right. Beautiful, gorgeous. It's okay. a beautiful shot in New okay. Moon. And then the other scene is in Breaking Dawn Part 1 um, when during the birth scene all of a sudden it turns into like a uh, Aronofsky meets Cronenberg as the you know half vampire child literally tries to kick its way out of her body. Like right. breaks her back, turns like half eats its way out. Like her man then has to like bite her a bunch so he's holding the new baby with blood all around his mouth it's crazy it's like a, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's but it's gorgeous and uh, it's like the oversaturated light like they use everywhere else but it's just so like violent and she's all skeletal and just uh, this thing is being ripped out of her and it's like very black swanny sort okay, of like okay. <laughs> that even like the body movement like that one scene in black swan where it almost looks like she thinks she's either like her feet are breaking or her legs are getting hosed right, or whatever. Right. Yeah. They like do that. a similar okay. like thing when her back, bre- it's crazy. Okay. And you think what movie am I watching now? Cause this is not sparkly vampires. This is no, like no. legit. I, it's, it's funny cause I've like heard... body horror porn kind of. I, I, yeah. I've heard. So those heard two the first things. Movie, the first thing yeah. you mentioned there, new moon. I've, I've yeah. heard that one mentioned as one of the worst movies a lot of people have ever seen like that. The, I've heard a lot of people talk about how like that, that is the low point of the whole series. Um, I read the first book and I saw the first movie and in both instances I came away with, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, at least where the film is concerned, because I mean, the, the book is what the book is and I just, I can't change that. Where the movie is concerned, I just remember thinking to myself, even if this movie is not for me, it deserves a little bit better craft. You know, and I don't know if it's because that first one didn't really have a whole lot of a budget. Like they didn't know if it was going to make Hunger Games money or Divergent money. Yeah. Um, but I went to the the talk that the director did for the first one. Catherine Hardwick. Yeah, and she used to. Do, she's a great director. And she used to do production design, and she talked about everything, like the colors, um, the the costuming, how the colors in their clothes, how they sort of started off part and then came to mirror each other as like the relationship like there's a lot of like beautiful visual details that they actually continued yeah throughout the other movies even though she wasn't on them anymore yeah and the look and feel i mean the the makeup and hair like the wigs were terrible especially yeah. in the first one but there was a lot of sort of good grace notes there that i think just because it was so easy to dunk on twilight just people went hard on it where yeah. when i think about it, i've watched like way crappier movies that oh, have yeah. been treated much more kindly yeah um, yeah, you, like, this is very true. 
is that that yeah. movie it, it was a punching bag and it was an easy punching bag yeah. um, because of the baggage that it came along with um, I will say this much the one thing I do like that they figured out with those movies is that after that first one they stopped tinting it blue yeah. they just like let's just accept that it's shady enough for these people to be outdoors yeah right? but back to Suicide Squad as that was your original answer yeah um, it's, it's crazy because I remember thinking with that movie that the look of that movie was good the actors in that movie were good when they were doing what they were there to do especially viola and will smith and margot robbie um that they were doing good things but the this the actual story was just garbage so i was thinking i remember thinking to myself i will see these people again i will happily watch these characters interact with each other again especially viola davis as amanda waller i just i don't know if we're gonna get that you know, oh, so they're making another one, but the, I don't know how much of that's gonna that's gonna play. For the storyboards for that, I don't understand why every shot that Margot Robbie was in had to be framed with the center point of the frame being her backside. Oh yeah. 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 Because no. even after that Amanda Waller scene, you immediately go out to like they go out to meet up with the other people on the squad. Yeah. And then you see the group sort of stand up and realize we're here to save this monster lady right. and again the shot of them all from the back just right on her very uh very, shiny very shiny behind area which yeah. is it's fine but it, there's so much going on visually with their costumes and everything else and it was just well we the angle of the lens we talked about the difference between like wonder woman and justice league like, oh yeah, yeah 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 the difference of yeah just bring it up a couple inches well i mean yeah exactly we'll, we'll find and listen we'll find that out with um birds of prey right mm -hmm. because you got margot robbie again already i think you can see that yeah in how her character's designed yeah for birds of prey yeah it's the, the both of those movies i totally get you know there's good there's good stuff in there but it just became too too much and too easy to jump all over them. Um, next. Oh, what is the most violent movie you've ever seen? I saw The Devil. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 It's, it's triggery AF, all of you, but uh, if you're okay with, just assume anything that would trigger somebody, if that triggers you, don't watch it, but it's, um, is it Korean? Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, is that ever it's Korean? It's very Korean. Yeah. It's Korean revenge crime drama with one of the most single-minded, um, well, actually, I would say two of the most single-minded antagonists, because there's no real protagonist by the mm -hmm. end. Mm -hmm. It's just, yeah, rage and violence versus rage and violence. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I saw that at TIFF, and the director mentioned David Fincher as an inspiration. So take a David Fincher movie and put it into the Korean film system, uh, yeah. you know, brought to you by the people who brought you old boy and sympathy for lady vengeance. Yeah. Um, I believe there's more than one Achilles that are severed in that movie. I believe so. Uh, yeah. It is. That is a vicious, vicious movie. Um, like top to bottom. Just, yeah. Yeah. And not like, it's not, for the sake of gratuity like the mm. thing about it is that violence is quick and that's the kind of thing is that mm. it just it cuts and then it just steps back and mm. watches you bleed yeah um that, yeah but it's quick it's vicious it's visceral and it's continuous yeah it's not like there's just one scene well because so. the, the part of the thing is the the bad guy the actual the worst, bad guy the, the worst, worst of guy. the two bad guys doesn't want to give up yeah right he's like a reverse terminator yeah so at the moment where any normal villain would 
you know, finally just go to the bench. Yeah, just and, tap out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, this guy just kind of keeps on going. Thinking, and you know, I can, I can just outlast you. The good guy sort of does what um, Batman does, arguably in some of the worst uh, iterations, which is goes down to his level. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Without, without the rule that I will not kill you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That, that, that's actually a really good comparison is he's Batman without that one rule. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that one rule is kind of important. A little bit. A little bit. A little oh, bit. man. Yeah. But no, like that said, if people think that they can... If you can stomach it. If you can stomach it, it's incredible. Yeah. It's an incredible film. Not just because it's cool and it's violent, but just it's a great story. Yeah. It's well executed. Oh, it's beautiful. Um, oh, my God, yeah. I, I kind of want to go back and watch it again. Yeah, and the good bad guy, delicious. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. It's very handsome. Um, uh, one of the other things that I loved about that movie was just that I knew I couldn't recommend it to, like, 90% of the people I knew. It's one of those <laughs> movies that when I left the film festival, it was definitely my top five, but it was in my, I, I legit can't tell the normals at work. Right. about this movie because they would either look it up or I'd start to describe it and then I would see the dawning horror in their eyes plus the concern for their own personal physical safety. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's that kind of movie that you like but you don't tell people about. Right. Yeah. It is the good, the bad, and the weird yeah. versus old boy. Okay. Uh, so yeah, good things abound people. You must see this movie if you can... Uh, if you can hack it, and um, and they hack, and they hack, they yeah. hack. Be warned. They hack. You'll in know the slash. quick. Like that's, that's yeah. you'll know real fast if you can get through it. Absolutely. Uh, finally, we're not going to make you do it. Okay. But what is a movie monologue that, if you could, you would like to give? All right. So, I know people who know me might think I'd go for something more, you know, fire and brimstony, more, you know, Sam Jacksony. But actually, the one that I think about. Probably most often. You're going to trot out some uh, Jane Austen shit. Right no. <laughs> Although I was just watching, I was just watching Sense and Sensibility <laughs> the other day again, and I was. This is legit. Love actually meets Hogwarts. Yeah, like yeah, that whole yeah, cast yeah, is just. Yeah. It's everyone. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, this is. Uh, I'll give you the end of it. And see if I can guess it. Oh, you'll probably be able to okay. guess it. And I just want to give you injections of sublime erections and get you to dance to my rhythm. Make you dream archetypes of black angels in flight upon wings of distorted, contorted, metaphoric jism. Come on, Slim. Fuck your man. I ain't worried about him. It's you who I want to step into my scene. Because rather than deal with the fallacy of this dry reality, I'd rather dance and romance your sweet in a wet dream. Who am I? Well, they call me brother to the night. And right now, I'm the blues in your left eye, trying to become the funk in your right. Is that all right? Now that's, it's a spoken word piece from a little film called Love Jones. Uh, and that was read in the film by the character played by Lorenz Tate, um, one of our favorite black vampires, uh, who doesn't appear to be aging. His character's name was Darius Lovehall. I am, uh, I am and he was, deeply fascinated right now. And he was and, reading and also that. also deeply, deeply grateful. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I let one of the profanities That's through. That's new. That is staying in. Yeah. And, uh, that is my gift to you, dear listener. Other He's in the movie. He's actually reading that to Nia Long. Okay. Uh, and, but they're out at a show. Like, they went to hear him so perform. He's a, is that like him yeah. trying to woo somebody? Yes, he's trying to woo someone. I 
I believe. Yeah, it, no, I, just, I, I wasn't sure. One was would be a, wooed with that. Yeah, yeah I, I am yeah. right now. He's um, the blues in your left eye trying to become the funk in your right. And the best thing on the soundtrack, because it is sort of like a spoken word to like a beat kind okay. of thing. Yeah. Uh, on the soundtrack, they left in something that I don't know if this was in the script or just someone did it in the room when they were performing it. But to his final, is that all right? There's a woman sort of off mic in the audience saying, oh, that's all right, honey. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I need to see this movie. Yeah. But even um, if you just Google um, Brother to the Night, you can just hear him reading that in the club. And it is, I, it's I, it's a lot. Uh, if You know what? Listen, if, yeah. if, if people want to listen to the end of the show, yeah. I'll, I'll find a way to yeah. include it. There's enough anger, retribution, enough, you know, 300 uh, ready your breakfast men kind of right, monologues. Right. But that's about... It's, it's love, but it's the kind of, it's almost putting into words how you would approach the beginning of an interaction, right. but also indicating that you have some follow through. And stamina, it's long, as I said. <laughs> <laughs> that was just the bit at the end. I mean, the thing I love about it is that it is in every way, shape, and form, confident. Yeah. And I am somebody who is comfortable speaking. I'm somebody who's comfortable speaking in front of people. Uh, but I usually, even like I can hear it in this moment, come from it, come to it from a place of self-deprecation and humility. Um, that is not, I, I, could, I could never pull that off. Even if I practiced as hard as I could and, you know, was like even you know was a single man out on out on the prowl i could not pull that off because that is not how my delivery is is built in my head that is an amazing model yeah so yeah. that's from love jones uh starring lawrence tate and neilon directed and written by theater witcher i don't know if he actually wrote that poem or if he had somebody ghostwrite this sort of spoken word poetry in Who the knows? movie or not it's in there and it is from 1997 there we go people see that movie yeah watch that that clip will be in the show notes and as i said if i can find it the audio of it will be at the end of the show so stick around but we have a movie to talk about lord do we have a movie to talk about and as i mentioned off the top we're going to spoil the holy heck out of it we don't normally do that on this show but you can't talk about there's this no other way to do it. this yeah. um so just uh, go see midsummer and come on back because that's what we're going to talk about right after this it's the new slang Midsummer is directed and written by Ari Aster. It stars Florence Pugh, Jack Rayner, Willem Blomgren, William Jackson Harper, and Will Poultier, amongst others. It is the story of Danny, that's Florence Pugh, an American college student already dealing with some deep depression and anxieties when she is handed a crushing blow. Her boyfriend, Christian, isn't of much help, but also can't seem to admit how unhelpful he is. Adding fuel to the unhelpful fire, Christian's roommates, Josh and Mark, think he's wasting his time with Danny. In the aftermath of Danny's personal tragedy, a trip to Sweden comes about. The guys were planning it without Danny's knowing, by the way. And now, after everything, she's joining in. 
The trip is spearheaded by the fourth roommate, Pele. It's a pilgrimage back to his home village in Sweden for their midsummer festivities. And that's where things get weird. The village seems very cult-like. Their customs are strange, violent, or sometimes both. And despite the bright, sunny days that everything is taking place on, one can't help but feel encroaching darkness on all sides. Midsummer is a film that tests the bounds of critique. What we have here is a work that is long, visceral, emotionally dark, and deeply uncomfortable. To discuss it and try to articulate whether or not it is objectively good or objectively bad seems besides the point. It's like looking at the tea that this commune makes and saying that it would taste better if it was chilled. So, pop quiz hotshot. A movie that is this crazy, this uncomfortable, what is the point of it? I think from my point of view, I had some challenges with all three acts for different reasons. Okay. Uh, I would say for lovers of kind of, I don't know what the new genre of horror you would call, more thinky horror, if Cerebral you will. Horror. Yeah. It has all of the challenges of regular horror in that, uh, not as a person of color, as a person with eyes and ears and a brain, you want to scream at the screen, what are you still doing there? Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. go. Yes. It, it has a lot of that, which, fine, in horror movies, you need people to make bad decisions. It's very rare that you see people making good decisions or trying to make good decisions early enough. Mm -hmm. It's one of the many reasons I love Get Out mm -hmm. is that you have warning signs that the main character actually catches on to. Right. And as, does, as does his friend who's not even yeah, there. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Survival instincts in this group of kids, way low, way low. <laughs> so second act has that. Third act has all the weird stuff that you'd expect from like sort of the new brand of horror where there's twists and stuff. Um, first act, uh, I'd say very triggery if you have any kind of like issues with people in your family with uh, mental illness or any other of the things that are usually an offshoot of that. So I did find it's kind of treatment of that a bit brusque. Yeah. 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 And I understand they were but, trying to get somewhere and the movie was already too long as it was. Sure. But uh, the... But what is the point of this movie? But the point of it, I don't know. Yeah. I, that, and I feel like I almost watched three different movies. I think I kind of liked a bit of the the second act and the third act where it just got like weird and bonkers. kind of bonkers. I don't think I like the way they teed it up that much. I okay. think I would have enjoyed the whole thing more with like a, a hard edit right? and a different approach to that first act. I don't know why we needed that to have happened because I kind of feel like the the main character would have made some of the same choices even without what had happened in the first act. kind of explains it a bit more but they don't try to explain yeah. anything anyway yeah I to answer my own question I would say the point of this movie uh and this this may sound facile but please bear with me is to make us feel something a lot of the movies that we go to a lot of the movies that we've talked about on this show are trifles they're distractions they're entertainment they're you know 
superheroes or their their animated whatevers or their make us laugh or whatever um and they happen and sometimes we'll take something away from them but a lot of times we don't and it's just away we go this movie was uncomfortable this movie was like almost holding you in place or daring you to leave mm-hmm. in in all kinds of ways everything from its length to how absurd so many of these things these things seemed to how violent it gets to how unpleasant some of these like deeply deeply disturbing some of these moments are and like every single one of them finds your pressure points and like Vulcan nerve pinches them until you're just you know in a weeping ball by the time this thing is done it's I you know it's a weird thing to talk about because on the one hand there are a lot of people who I would say don't go anywhere near this movie because you are gonna hate it on the other hand I am not gonna forget the experience of watching this movie anytime soon and I watched it like just alone like without anybody else who I knew um, in the middle of the day, you know, on a Sunday, it wasn't like I went to like a jam packed midnight madness, yeah. you know, Fantasia type crowd. It would be interesting to watch a full crowd. Cause I watch it midday, almost empty theater as well. So I wonder, I don't know. No, I don't, I don't know if I want that. Like I don't I want know. people whooping and cheering and I don't want whooping, but I kind of want inhales of breath or well, even I exhales. Oh, I, no. I want that sound that they do when they take a shot that, Oh, yeah, they. Um, I I got that. There were a lot of moments where people in my crowd just like gasped mm-hmm. when they went when a lot of what this movie goes down. I mean, this is gonna sound like like. Did you like this movie? I don't think so. Okay, but I think that is more personal, and that's the other challenge with film. If you don't want to go into a spill a film entirely spoiled, mm-hmm. but if I'd gone if I'd known some of the stuff that happens in the first act, I don't know if I would have ever watched it. Really? Yeah. Let's, let's put a point on this. So the first act, she starts out, um, Danny starts out really um, distraught because her sister is sending her cryptic messages. She can't get a hold of her parents. Her boyfriend is useless. And so it's, so are his friends. And then, you know, the, the, the actual stinger of it all is that her sister uh, killed herself by asphyxiation and took her parents with her. So Danny's family is wiped out all at once. And she, she is a mess. Like you can tell that she is really weathered before any of that even begins. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just absolutely kicks her over the side. And on top of everything, her boyfriend is pretty useless. So are his friends. I mean, so, he should have just broken up with her. Yeah. But, but for some reason, we, he we, didn't want to. We see it. that, right? Yeah. Like your friends and my friends and yeah. people we know. We see people who are in a bad relationship. If there's not bringing up with someone, then there's bringing them last minute to Sweden. Like, yeah. my guy, come on. But so, so in all of that, like, what was what was the hard what were the harder pills to swallow there? Um. So, listener, um, just to be somewhat personal, there is a history of mental health issues in my family. Also, um. When I was young, we did have an oopsie one time when my mother came home from work and was really tired and parked the car in the garage. Mm -mm. Mm. And I almost had a really good sleep. Like, firemen came and the whole thing. So there were a couple of things in the first act that... 
Yeah. And, and maybe that's why I didn't even fully process the rest. I was, although I was very focused on the details, the one thing I did like the production design, there's like a picture in the beginning where you see like a bear and a little blonde girl and whatever, like mm -hmm. the artwork and the stuff on the walls, like in the first act, very much just sort of kind of telling you what's coming. Yeah. That's actually what um, I want to go back and the, watch it. The weird that. like pulsing flower stuff. Yeah. Like all yeah. of that, that they started off subtle and then they went like really big with it until you see it in like the drawing that Pelly's doing. Right. Yeah. Um, do you think Pelly's a bad guy? I, see, this has been the question that a lot of people have been asking about this movie is who are the villains? Like is the village yeah. the villains? Is Pelly the villains? Like Pelle, Pelle knew that these people weren't coming back. Yeah. He knew one way or another they were, they were staying in that village or like they were staying in that village. Yeah. Um, so I, but I mean, at the same time, they, they all except like I, you know, Danny is not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but Danny is the one to survive. Mm -hmm. They all kind of had it coming for one way or another. Yeah. She's the weirdest final girl I've ever seen though. That's right. For sure. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I mean, the beginning of this movie is so hard to take. And I could, I could imagine a lot of people noping out as soon as they see the family go. Yeah. Cause I mean, that is that you talk about production design, how they go mm. is brutal. This yeah. is not, this is not Sabrina leaving the car running and yeah, no. Humphrey Bogart rushing to the rescue. This is bad. Yeah. Um, but I think the way it literally brought up that repressed memory. For yeah. Me. I think the way the guys, are like heckling Danny when she's on the phone with um, with Christian and the way they act afterwards. I think that's important. And the, and the way Christian act, like and approaches that whole thing, I think that's important for us. Otherwise, we will feel much worse for them later on. Like, yeah, I don't want to go so far as to say they had it coming, but uh, okay. Um, but the boyfriend at the end, I know, I would have been very disappointed if, if it he had gone the other survived. way. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like you're right. It is that that mm -hmm. first act is so hard to take. Yeah. When they get to, it's weird because when they get to Sweden, it's almost a relief. Yeah. And then things, uh, if nothing else, because it finally brightens up. Yeah. And then shit gets weird. Um, I mean, this is a movie that is not backing down from grief, anxiety, or mental health. Um, especially the like all like especially like just the way Danny owns it and she tries to push through. Right, like she is like a woman who you and I have both met, probably who you and I have both been at certain points in yeah, our lives. Yeah, I was gonna say met like, in the mirror. You know, yeah. yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, you know, how are you? I'm okay. Yeah, but you can tell, and everyone else can tell, and you don't realize how much everyone can tell. Everything from like her constantly untucked shirts to yeah. her um, constantly downturned mouths, which we finally see turn up at the at that uh, fiery moment. <laughs> it her body language, everything is saying the opposite of what she's saying verbally. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and this, you know, the, the, the obvious conversational pair that has to come with this is Astor's last movie, Hereditary, which also wrapped itself in grief in, in a very different way. Um, you know, this one, you've got this movie, you've got the grief of a child. That movie had the grief of a parent. Um, and a child, actually, the, the first for the grief for the parents, and then a grief for a child, um, and it's 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 startling to see this on film this way. You know, I, I in one in some ways I kind of appreciate it, in other ways 
like I said, it makes it made me feel it made me feel deeply uncomfortable and like this close to going a few times over. But this movie, I think, it certainly uses it to great effect, maybe too great effect at times. Um, on, on top of with the anxiety and the mental health that are all kind of bundled into what Danny is going to this terrible moment that we we jump in in her life. Um, I didn't enjoy any of it, but I enjoyed I mean, the way it looked. And you're right, once they get to Sweden, like that whole sort of the last two acts, mm -hmm. how the characters interacted in that space, and then all the questions that come up as, you know, they do their first big ritual, and you see, really, that's the biggest sign the main character gives us, that she's not processing emotions, because everybody else's reaction to that is much bigger. In different ways. We're talking about the ritual on the cliff. Yeah. Okay. So the other couple is, you know, all like, we out. Yeah. Like, this place is cray. Yeah. And the other two gentlemen sort of go straight into, well, this was horrible, but it'll be great for my thesis. Yeah. yeah. But they at least have, like, a reaction. She is the one that actually is the least sort of overt external reaction and Later on, when she's sort of pulled into the community of women to help bake the pies and do other things, I think that uh, that's our biggest sign that really homegirls should have just gotten a better therapist and some new beds and not gone on this road trip because I would say we almost knew too early that she was going to be all in on what was going down. It's so strange because twice in this movie, Florence Pugh just lets fly. Like, this woman can just, I don't know how she gets, how, like, what her process is to get there. But if you walked onto the set that the days that she is acting distraught, you would be picking up your phone and calling 911. Yeah. Um, cause she, she just, she holds nothing back. Um, and Danny, so that's the thing is that we have seen that when Danny has shit going down, she doesn't hold back at all. She doesn't tr like, you know, she'll, she'll put on airs and say, I'm fine. But when it really hits her, she's just going to let fly. So in those moments where she's watching that and she's not reacting like that, that should have been our clue of this is, this is really not good. Yeah. You know, um, and and I would say also William Jackson Harper. Initially, I was Is that cheaty? That's cheaty. Yeah, I was thinking, oh, yeah. he's just giving me a different kind of cheaty. But yeah. the stuff with him and the Christian character when they were fighting, I was. This is how friends fight when one of your friends is low key kind of trash. Mm -hmm. So he's not just trash to his girlfriend; he's trash to his friends and whatever. And just the he's no, he's a shitty person. He's just yeah, he's just garbage. Yeah, and. But the way they fought is like, I've been friends with this person so long, but I also understand that they're trash and I'm trying to like talk through it and I know he's just not going to get it. But then he goes and does something not as bad, but mad disrespectful to their hosts mm -hmm. when they've been told, here are the parameters of your interaction with our culture. Yeah. So again, not that anybody has what happened to them coming. However... I believe, you know, I was, I was going to talk about the guys. Don't I, start I, none. You know what? No, won't like, be none. These, these guys have it coming. And it's, it's right down to like when they're heckling 
when they're heckling Christian about Danny behind her back, like when she's calling and they're like, dude, mm. she needs a therapist or she needs a better therapist. Yeah. She should be calling your therapist and not you. I mean, she, you know, you should go get yourself a girl who likes sex. It's like, God. okay, except for that last one, those first three, they were all giving the right direction just with the wrong energy. Yeah, but I mean, like, there, there's a time and a place for that, right? Yeah. When when your girl's calling you looking for help, it's not, you know, it, it's it's not a moment for bros before hoes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I, I just I hated them all. Yeah, so very much. And I'm like, I have met these guys. Yeah, you know, I happily, I'm I'm happy to say I don't have friends like these guys, but I have totally met these dudes and. You know, yeah, you're all stoked for your big trip away while your one buddy is having relationship problems. You deserve whatever bullshit you get into when you go to whatever that destination is and you make a boneheaded decision. It was a fun twist on that sort of horror trope where usually that guy, it's more like a group of super objectionable jock types. Right. Or super objectionable, like, business guy types. Instead, it was... You know, a bunch of PhD yeah, they're, students. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're all smart. Yeah, they, you know? but they were all still terrible, and they they made you want them to die weird and or horrible. Like, guys. I mean, I bet you, in a certain light, those are the good guys. Yeah, right. You know, oh, you're one of the good guys. Mm-hmm. No, no, you're trash. Yeah. Um, I, I, I. It's just weird. I enjoyed that they were there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I was like, yeah, you can you know, like go Sweden. You know, like like take a, take them out. I will I will not feel bad for these guys. And on top of everything, the fact that they go there and they don't think enough, like they, they don't follow that other couple's lead. Mm-hmm. And in the first moment that shit goes very very real, get the hell out. Yeah. You know, no, we're staying. We're writing our thesis. And yeah. We're so you're staying, around, we're even though there's Swedish women. A series of very mysterious disappearances. They continue to decide to stay. Yeah. I don't think I'd recommend this to anyone. I mean, it's so hard. I again, I I appreciated it a lot. I will when I when I do eventually sit down to write about this, I will have a lot to say, um, and it's gonna stick with me. This will be one of the kind of movies I'm talking about at the end of the year, not in my, my top five or anything like that. But it'll be one of those ones that I'm talking about of one of the 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 more um, intense experiences I've had at a movie and a movie that I thought was actually well crafted and well executed and original, you know, this is not there. This is, this does have certainly has traces again of hereditary has traces of movie like the wicker man and those kinds of movies, but this doesn't feel like something I've seen over and over and over and over and not something I think is going to spawn a whole new genre. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the one thing I got to appreciate about it. And just for the look of it, like the craft of it is incredible. But at the same time, like if somebody tells me, what should I go see tonight? It's not going to be the first thing I tell them. No, not even the third. (laughs) I mean, maybe the third. It depends Uh, on how it is. Also, if you're sensitive, there is full frontal nudity on both sides of the physical gender. Yeah, that was was refreshing. Um, Some of the least erotic uh, sex that I've ever seen on film. Yeah, I mean, it makes you know a hand handsmaid's tale impregnation look like a not terrible time. So it was, you know, it was I mean, just all right, very. Let's, let's, let's jump. To, we were jumping all over the place today, people. But I mean, this but movie, this movie will make you do that. Yeah. yeah. So you know, we get to the end of this movie, yeah. and we've got Christian 
um, who this one redheaded villager has just been basically throwing herself at, yes. you know, like, like dropping her pubes in his pie and everything. And as, not, as per the, the love tapestries directions. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's get, the recipe for love. Yeah, you get a, you get a warning that that's coming. Yeah. And I love that. I, <laughs> I do love that the one village elder who yeah. says, I think she put one of her pubes in my pie. Yeah. What's the line is something like, yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> that, that tracks. That, that's our brand. Yeah. Um, that tracks. So, Finally, her wiles are accepted and Christian is taken into the temple, literally and figuratively, and is, is like there to impregnate this one woman while uh, like a dozen villager women are like standing around stark naked holding hands and watching and like moaning along. Yes. Basically. And at one point, because I guess he's not doing the deed correct, somebody gets behind him and just like, you know, kind of gives them the old... You Gives know, him like, a little push. A little push. You know, it's just, you're not quite getting there, buddy. Yeah. Um, so that would be strange enough. Mm-hmm. Danny happens to see this. Danny is somewhere altogether different, high as a kite, and is brought back towards the, the area where this is happening and can hear it. She can't even see anything, but she just hear. But she has an idea. Well, I mean, you hear a dozen Swedish women moaning. You mm-hmm. can kind of put together the picture. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she she wants to see exactly what's going on. She looks mm-hmm. through a keyhole and she goes away. And where she goes, she's got these maidens following her. Yeah. And they start wailing in time with her. Yes. Right. Like, like she's, so there's wailing on one side. There's moaning on the other. Right. I wondered if the collection of women that they had for the moaning were women who'd previously, maybe successfully completed this ritual, like people who had given birth. Well, I mean, I was so, going to say, like, how do you know? How do you know if you're a moaner or a wailer? Yeah. <laughs> and that was that. I figured the designation was perhaps, and they were definitely just more like on the and, skins, and the young just, maiden side, perhaps yeah. previously there's, there's not impregnated. Thing going on. Yeah. But yeah. I mean... Yeah, yeah, definitely shirts and skins. Yeah. <laughs> While that is bananas, yeah. I must admit... I did like that they were different body types. Uh, me too. Yeah. Um, the one, like, the, this is not... The one thing I will say about this movie is for for how intense everybody gets, this is not anything that's supposed to be, like, a visual delight. No. You know what I mean? This is just supposed to be, like, a gathering of rural Swedes. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I did love about the moment where the, the the maidens are wailing with her is that was a beautiful metaphor and contradiction to the way women process distress. You know, like they, it, it's it's on the nose, obviously. But at the same time, like that was the one thing I keep thinking all the time is the way men react, the way women react is y'all have way more channels and way more communication and you're just like way better at this shit than we are. I think what I liked most about that was the sound that they were making was very similar to the sound she makes in act one when she finds out what happened to her family. Mm -hmm. But instead of her being either isolated or with this fairly non-demonstrative boyfriend, she has this whole group of women wailing with her yeah so it it seems to be much more cathartic and and taking her lead it's like how do you want to process this yeah not i'm going to tell you what you should do sister you know just like you're 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 crying we're crying okay everybody we're crying yeah everyone this is how we're doing this and crying like you know i i mean so like she was following them in their movements in the dance they followed her movements in that so uh, the moaning the moaning in the the moaning in the stooping is bananas yeah 
But the crying and the grieving is kind of sweet. Yeah. So there were parts that I didn't... Or there were parts that I appreciated more or felt that, like, I got what they were doing on levels. And, again, like, production design in the beginning, sort of telling us what was coming in. I liked that. But I would... I just wouldn't recommend this to anyone. And it needed... It needed so much editing that I, I don't know how well, the, it's I... funny you mentioned that because there's a longer cut coming. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know, right? To do this kind of stuff. To to mm-hmm. go out there in between Lion Kings and Toy Stories and say, here's a movie where a bunch of villager Swedes are going to kill themselves and eat themselves silly and shtup and kill other people all while surrounded with flowers and grass and cottages. The, the huevos of this movie is off the charts to, you know, like at two and a half hours, let alone to say, yeah, we got a three hour cut too. Yeah. You know, you kind of got to tip your hat to that. Kind of. Do I? Kind of. You can tip your flower crown. (laughs) To that? Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, really, this is kind of the ultimate bad breakup movie. It definitely would be a super, I would love to see the couple that goes to this for a first date. Would love. Oh. Would love. I mean. That's a conversation. That you either that, end that, up, that relationship is either cemented. Yeah. Or doomed. Yeah. Right that You're moment. either together forever. Like, or, you yeah. know what? Yeah. Yeah. You cannot have a conversation about that. On a first date, I mean, unless it, that person's almost perfect for you yeah. and like want to see them again, yeah. There's it, so many things come up. It's it's like you know the people who think that going to see Before Midnight as a date movie is is for wusses. Like yeah. know, here's the one where they really want to test, yeah, what they're made of. Um, I you know it's it's kind of I, I kind of want to like suggest to any of my single friends who are like going on Tinder like seeing how just for the sh- yeah. you know if, if you're already on the fence about yeah. it listener no don't do this no no please do this no in the interest of science and and just like my pure entertainment take your date to see Midsummer and then go talk about it after don't go to dinner first yeah you got you know you have to talk about I, it after I, for at least half an hour you know you're 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 either getting none or you're getting a lot there, there, there's like no in between and what you get may be weird very yeah yeah don't don't drink the tea mm-hmm. um Who's the villain of this movie? I think Bad Decisions. <laughs> that's because, I mean, yes. Um, that, I, that's I been, think that's... I actually like Pele. He may be the only person I like. He, this is how he was raised. He went out into the world. He achieved the ad- objective he was assigned. Yeah. Sort of a weird reverse version of a Black Panther war dog, if you will. He comes back to the community with his assignment partially like completed. Yeah, yeah. But and he's fairly transparent, except for the fact that it's very unlikely any of them will leave. But I mean, like, it's not the villagers. Yeah. You know, like that, that's the thing is this yeah. is not a no. This, this these is are not, this is not a slap about these cults. are their customs. This is not a slap about small communities or communes yeah. or anything like that. Um, because yeah. they're, they're just doing what they do. I think it's just bad decisions. I don't think it's Danny. Like, even though mm. Danny seals Christian's fate. Does she? It, I, she she could have spared him. Yeah. You know, like, literally, she could. Like, we're, again, we're in spoilers here. She's given a choice. 
Danny can't move. Uh, Christian can't move. He's dressed up like a bear. Yeah, but do they even really ever let that guy go? Though you can't let somebody go back into the real world after what happened. I then. mean, at that point, he can't even move. Anyway. Yeah. So he like he's staying. Yeah. The question is, how is he staying? Is he yeah. staying in a corporal form, or yeah. is he about to be? You know, is he about to be scattered by the tree? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not her, right? Because like she's already been done wrong by him so many times over that you can't falter. And so, so if it's not the villagers and it's not Danny, it's it's bad decisions. Because for all they 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 had outs over and over and over, they had outs, and they had they you know they could have even not gone. He could have said, hmm. "You're not coming to Sweden," or "I'm not going to Sweden," or "Okay, guys, you go ahead to Sweden." You know, yeah, you're you're, you're yeah, bad decisions. You know, don't uh, don't go into the church. Don't take the pictures. Don't pee on the on the tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can, I can get behind that. Ask more questions when the other couple disappears. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, be aware of your surrounding. Batman rules, everyone. Be aware of your surrounding. Ask what is in this pie. Yeah. You know, like... Things we learned on Game of Thrones. Well, they were making meat pie, but yeah. they never... Like, Danny, for instance, never asked, what is the meat? Yeah. And I did not see any... I had like, a lot of questions about what the meat was, but then I, when he got the pube, I was like, oh, no, it's just... Hopefully regular meat. And Hopefully, but I didn't see any cows or pigs around. Did you? There was a there was at least one cow when was they first there? arrived, and then also in the blessing of the crops and the animals, there was I don't know if it was the same cow or a different cow. Yeah, well, I mean, but yeah. was, it was one. Like, but it's probably a milk cow and not a. That's that's what I'm saying. Not you know? a and they were, there were a lot cow. of them. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, that would be one of those things of what are we eating? You know, like like right up there with what are we drinking? Mm-hmm. You know, it's come on, people, it's 2019. You should know this stuff by now. Yeah, bad decisions yeah. are are definitely the villain of this movie. For everything about this movie, for it's it's in some ways it's like hereditary, in other ways it is totally not hereditary. That that is what I like about the movie is it's not just that he's doing more of the same. Um, on the last episode when Kurt Halfyard was here and I said that we were gonna be doing this before, he said if hereditary is Ari Aster's deliverance, this is his Zardoz. And I don't. Well, I mean, it, it's kind of as bonkers as a movie like Zardoz, but I don't think it's bonkers for the sake of bonkers the way that Zardoz was. I think he does have a point, even if we're struggling with whether one wants him to make that point. I was just thinking, what do I think this is as bonkers as? And I'd almost say Xanadu. It's, no, it's, <laughs> but, that's, that's a but in terms of a where were they going? What were they thinking? I can see they put money into how things looked but it seems like a lot of ideas yeah and should all of these ideas have been in the same movie i mean it's not like you dig correct me if i'm wrong but you dig david finch uh, david fincher you dig david lynch yeah I'm, it's not as bonkers as some of his movies it's certainly not as bonkers as like twin peaks where a lot of time it's just throwing spaghetti at the walls and see what sticks yeah of course that one woman talks backwards because that's what she does Mm -hmm. you know like this move like within the reality of this movie things make sense it's it's grounded yeah but that that (laughs) that ground is a long way down yeah yeah um and on top of everything else like the moments where it gets bloody it gets really bloody it does but you don't see the violence that much i mean i just Uh, that landing was hard 
Oh yeah, that the yeah. landing and then the the finishing move yeah. for the the inefficient flyer. Right. Yeah. yeah. That. That yeah. was. That was a lot. That was not like I that you know can can a bitch get a cutaway? Yeah. Was, was what I was hoping for there. Yeah. No. Uh, no, no cutaway. And then, we, and then we also get to see to get in a flashback. Yeah. Dream that's thing. The, I, yeah. I mean, I got, I'll say this much about an Ari Aster movie is he is not scared to make you feel it. Yeah. When, when it comes to the violence, like they're they're gonna be. Short and mm-hmm. far between, but he's going to make it count. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, it, like, it's it's nuts, because I'm sure people can hear my voice. I don't love this movie. I don't actually incredibly like this movie, and yet I'm just so affected and impressed by it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know that I could have long conversations about this movie. And if somebody told me they liked it, I'd be like, we need I, to drink. I would really love to talk to somebody who really loves it. Yeah, yeah, we need to drink. Yeah. But... It's yeah. It's not. It's not enjoyable. It's not the kind of thing that I'm going to put on just for kicks. Like we were. It's kind of the opposite of what we were talking about on the last episode with the dead don't die. Like we were saying with the dead don't die. It's not good. But if you're flipping channels or if you're vacuuming or whatever, you'll just have it on. Yeah. Because it's harmless. This movie, I'm much more impressed with it than I was the dead don't die, and yet I am not going to half-ass this movie if I ever full-ass this movie ever again. Yeah. Right. So it's brutal. Um. Oh, you had something else? No. <laughs> You're like, let us get off this car. Um, we end every every matinee cast with a souvenir or something tangible or intangible if you could take away from this movie and keep. You would. Petula Neal, what would be your souvenir from Midsummer? The Love Story Tapestry. Everyone needs want... a new recipe for their book. Oh, uh, lordy. Um, I, I did, uh, did appreciate... You know what? I gotta admit, I, I appreciated that that was on the tapestry and we didn't have to witness that. I, yeah. was, I was waiting to witness that. Yeah. So I was like, I was kind of like sitting there kind of clenched for a while, but um, I do thank the tapestry for just spelling that out and letting us move on. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want nothing yeah. from this movie. You don't want I, the finishing hammer? Cause that was my second I don't choice. Want, I don't want to touch anything. Yeah. I don't want to eat anything. Yeah. I want to take no pictures. Weird wanna, pulsing flower. I certainly don't know. I, I don't know. No, mm. I mean, None of this is good news. Pele sketchbook? I no, wonder what other things are not in a, there. Uh-uh. No, none of it. Yeah. I want It can all stay in this village, in this film. I take nothing. I take nothing but memories, and I leave. Um, because everything about this movie is just bad news. From the top down. <laughs> unless I am yeah. Florence Pugh. Yeah. Nothing good is coming my way if I take anything. Yeah. If I look at anything, touch anything. It's just... just Treat it like a museum, mm-hmm. and do not go through the gift shop and leave. Okay. Um, but we rate here on the matinee cast on a scale of one four stars. Uh, this could get interesting. Patilla, what do you give Midsummer on a scale? Of I'm one? gonna give it to just because of the the desperate need. I think for editing to make this more consumable, or not just for that. I mean. Also, because sure. it's it's weird as hell, and I'm not sure still how I feel about it. But yeah, definitely, and it didn't have enough of the other stuff that I liked to take it up to like a three. Okay, I think people can hear in my voice. I'm I'm much more impressed by this movie, if nothing else. Like I, again, I don't like it. It's a really hard one to recommend. I, you know, I would hang all kinds of qualifiers on this one if somebody was saying, "What should I go see tonight?" But I was deeply affected, deeply impressed by. It. This is a three and a half. This is one of the most impressive movies I've seen this year, and one I probably will be talking about at year end, even if I didn't 
like it the way that a person likes this kind of movie. If a person even likes this kind three of movie. Three and a half out of what? Four. Huh. Yeah, like this is this is like a this is a B plus movie for me, you know. Um, or an A minus movie if that's your if that's your, your ranking. Now uh, I kinda wanna crack your head open and see how it works. Right? I'm I'm uh, I'm an enigma wrapped inside a riddle shoved into a something. I, my, I've lost my A metaphor. bear suit? <laughs> Please, no. Um, <laughs> I haven't been that bad yet. Um, you know, yeah, odds are you're probably somewhere in the middle or maybe you're on a polar opposite to either particular eye. Let me know what you think of Midsummer. Ryan at matinee.ca, Twitter where I'm matinee underscore CA or facebook.com slash dark matinee. What do you think of Ari Aster's new movie? We are going to get out of this Swedish village and go talk on the other sides and come on back right after this. Welcome back. I'm Ryan McNeil. She's the two O'Neill. It's not Nakecast two two seven. We've been talking about Midsummer, Midsummer. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're if you're Swedish, um, we uh, we're, we're ready to, to think about other things though. So um, get us started, Miss Neil. What are some films that somebody could go to if they either wanted to get the taste of Midsummer out of their mouth or, or complimented somehow? Where would you steer somebody after this uh, opus? Well, initially I was thinking the Vavitch. Uh, but tell people about the witch because I feel like that movie came and went, and not enough people saw it. Well, I told people about it when I talked about it with you. So there is there yeah. is a podcast. Yeah, but it was a small community that a family is cast out of, and then there may or may not be a, a let's call it a coven <laughs> in the woods that the one main character ends up interacting with. Whether it's real or imagined, um, to paraphrase Dumbledore, just because it's happening in your head doesn't mean it's not real. (laughs) Uh, And there's a lot of kind of the the colors that they were using in the first act in this movie, where it's like very muted and grays, yeah, and you know, cool blues. But it's throughout that. But it's more an exploration of uh womanhood which this movie does have a lot of sort of feminine imagery and moments as well but i think on further reflection i'd rather pair this with something well, uh, on, polar one, one, one at a time here hang on, <laughs> hang, on, hang on yeah um i mean so first of all the one thing that excites me about the witch is the director of that movie robert eggers has a new movie coming later this year called the lighthouse with uh, Patterson in it, oh. and it's supposed to be fantastic. Huh. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, the other thing I was thinking about with um, The Witch and the way it works with um, Midsummer is that both of these movies have really interesting young actors at their core, Florence Pugh and Anna Taylor-Joy. Mm-hmm. Um, Anna Taylor-Joy, if people don't know her, uh, you saw her in split and glass she's one of the she's one of the the captives in split and she's one of the ones trying to see things through in glass um she was also in a really incredible movie last year called thoroughbreds Mm -hmm. um where she's doing some great things and i'm i'm kind of enjoying seeing a new 
cast of actors. You know, like I, I was, I, I don't like it when the same people turn up in everything. Yeah. Um, so I, so I do like that. I, 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 they're both kind of actors who, you know, I'm not going to like put down my thirteen dollars because Anna Taylor Joy is in a movie, but I'm, I'm certainly more interested. Or you know, like Florence Pugh for that matter too. Yes, they're doing interesting things in unexpected uh, films. Yeah. So yeah, it's not the same old. Yeah, and they're and, and a lot of times they're doing it in a much more reserved way. Like I mean. Florence Pugh in this movie is given more than one opportunity to just ball and mm. just like absolutely let loose and wail. Um, but there are times in this movie, like you said, mm. where you can tell by her posture, the way that her shirt is not tucked in or, mm. or that kind of thing. Same thing in the witch when she's, you know, moving about and noticing the way her siblings act or the way her mother acts, you can see that she's holding back more than she's letting loose. And that's a sign of a really good actor and sometimes a good director. Yeah. Um, mine, I think, like, my first one is kind of an obvious choice. I've been talking a lot, a lot about Florence Pugh, and I first, uh, like many, came to know her from Lady Macbeth. Uh, you did not see this? No. Oh, this movie is so good. Um, this movie is really low-key, really, really low-key, and it's about this English lord who uh, who gathers his young wife. It actually it starts with their wedding. Um, gathers his wife. Uh, they move back to his estate they they do what you know 18th century couples did and then he goes off uh i believe he like he's his father owns like mines or he owns like like logging company he's got to go off to see to his family business leaving her alone in this house and she gets into just kind of lounging around she gets into enjoying the company of one of the servants and she finds actual passion and connection through that so when her father-in-law starts to challenge her and when certainly when her husband returns and starts to challenge her things don't go so well um pew in that movie her her character is not actually lady Macbeth. her name is catherine lester um so often she's got to be so reserved there's an iconic shot that's happened several times in this movie where she just sits down square center of the frame on this like fainter couch and like looks right to camera and every time it's following something really dramatic and you're watching just little subtleties in in the changes from scene to scene and it's incredible to see what this woman can do in the face of these brutes in the face of this like younger much more handsome much more charming servant um when shit goes really sideways and she's got to kind of start to answer for her actions it's incredible to see how strong and how cold she can be and it's not a flashy movie it's also not a long movie it's like 90 minutes um it is goddamn gorgeous i will watch it you should watch it it's a really good movie um what other one did you have after the vavitch i decided i needed more more words and more a few more laughs, <laughs> but still something that, you know, is, could be perceived as a more on the darker side. Okay. So gotcha. if you just want to kind of shake this one off. So the Vavitch I might watch before this, okay. this other one I recommend I'd watch after okay. instead. Okay. Um, a simple favor. Oh, I love you so much. Yeah. That movie is so good. And... You know, again, mostly ladies in the lead roles, and 
Blake Lively and her, her vests. I, I actually got so excited, my body seized up. How that <laughs> how that movie was not nominated for Best Costumes last year, I, mean, I do not understand. I mean. Like. Although I was just re-watching Ocean's 8. Only because I have, I still haven't canceled my like Crave HBO, even though yeah. Game of Thrones is done. I swore I would, and I didn't <laughs> right, bother right. to yet. And yet, because I'm not working are. now, right. so I have a lot more time. And um, the Kate Blanchett vests mm. in Ocean's Eight, very Blake Lively, but just Blake Lively takes it to the next level. Just so good, so good. I mean, a lady in fancy like menswear style, but tailored properly. Oh. Again, try, again, trying to get through a weird situation. Again, like not pulling the shoot when maybe you should. Yeah, people making bad decisions. Yeah, bad decisions are, are, are not good people. But just know? overall, like a funnier movie that's a little more, more of the characters make reasonable decisions yeah. in simple favor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you have Anna Kendrick at the middle of it, mm-hmm. who is the kind of person that everybody just kind of wants to see succeed and like you know go get them kind of in a kind of way um we have uh handsome mcgee from crazy rich asians Mm -hmm. as the as the the husband that film uh, they even bring it up that film is very diabolique yeah uh you know like there there i do i do love a film that is aware of other films yeah so the fact that anna kendrick in that movie says are you trying to diabolique me Mm -hmm. um and you have the funny friends in the hmm. pta including i think andrew reynolds Reynolds yeah yes yeah there's a lot going on and it's oh it's so handsome yeah so colorful it's beautiful um that is a great movie yeah it does you know, it's it's twisted, it's messed up. And yeah. again, if somebody loved that movie, I'd be like, mm. um, kind of kind of thing. But um, that is um, Paul Feig, the director of um, Bridesmaids and uh, and, uh, and the Heat, and those kind of movies doing something different. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that movie. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch that tonight too. It's been it's been like a year almost, and I, I I've totally forgotten. I've become a fan of. Blake Lively. I don't. I did not see that one coming. Listen, Melinda's been ride or die for her for years, and now I'm like, you saw something that I, I didn't realize I should have always seen. Well, okay. So speaking of something light, I thought um, about and, and, and speaking of bad breakup movies, um, I was thinking about how the guys in this movie just can't even, and thought wanted to think to myself, what's a guys breakup movie that could maybe go with this and. Give them a little bit better idea of what to do. And I actually went back more than 10 years now, holy shit, to Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Oh. Because we've got a very doofy, bro-ish <clears throat> kind of guy in Jason Segel at the center of that movie, right? Like, he was one of that frat pack bunch of comedians with Seth Rogen and the Judd Apatow gang. And we get full frontal in that, too. We get full frontal in that, too, yes. Mm. So, so you know, if, if you're if you're looking for a double feature of Peen, mm. then, then this is certainly for you. Um, but I, I like how in this movie, even though he makes some not-so-great decisions, that a lot of these not-so-great decisions are made in the name of overfeeling as a man instead of trying to so-called nut up and you know ditch her or just forget mm-hmm. about her dude that kind of thing and and the and how he continues to articulate it you know like he he's talking he's, with when he so generously allows someone to fillet him yeah and, uh, <laughs> um yeah he's the, feeling a lot like then. that but i mean even just like how he's talking like how he talks to uh mia kunis in this movie how he talks to bill Hader 
in this movie, right? Who's like his what is it, like his stepbrother? Yeah, you know, and he and he's trying to like he's a guy who gets left, and it's always harder to be left than it is to leave. Um, even though I know people who have left, and it and it still just destroys them. Um, it's a movie that that is absurdly funny. This is one of the movies that will make me laugh every single time I see it. And for no other reason than the fact that it's got a Dracula musical in the middle of it, right? Before Siegel went out there and started romping around with the Muppets. Yeah. You know? Um, it's really sweet. It's really, you know, he, he makes some stupid decisions, but Peter Bretter is a modern man in, in a lot of ways in the way that he wants to actually not bury his sadness and you know hilarity ensues and chris and bell mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. see also yeah like, gossip I mean, girl yeah yeah the rest of the cast the is, cast is stacked like yeah. Kristen bell you've got russell brand and well like was kind of like his breakout part bill Hader is the the voice in the phone offering a whole bunch of uh a whole bunch of advice. One of the lines that will always make me laugh is Jonah Hill saying he just went from six to midnight. Um, Jack McBrayer is in this movie. It's so damn good. Yeah. It is so damn good. I can't, I can't recommend this movie highly enough. Um, some of the scenes earlier on when he's like trying to just get over it, dude, and go to the club and like actually like just kind of bury his feelings by hooking up are so absurdly funny. You know, like some of the women that he ends up like going home with, I'm like, yeah, you're 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 probably not doing this right. Everyone makes bad choices, and I guess in terms of having a common theme, the bad choices thing would also make it a good pairing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and that's like, yeah. Even if you are letting your feelings in, you can still, you know, it's 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 it's, it's, it's not an absolute. You don't yeah. you don't get there's no get out of jail field card whether you bury them or you let them show. And I think the obvious poll for this movie is The Wicker Man. Um, Christopher Lee, 1973, if you haven't seen it, this is like a horror and literally cult classic uh, about, uh, you know, this this British inspector who goes to this remote uh, island community in England and you should get an idea pretty quickly that you're not supposed to be there. And sure enough, by the time the sun rises on, on this on this whole on this whole dark night he figures out that he really should not have been there um people if you've never seen this movie see it for christopher lee because he's at his christopher leest in this movie uh, you'll see a lot of tropes of of midsummer um and uh it's aged pretty well it's it's one of those those old horror movies that's just more like disturbing you know like i, I kind of parcel it in with like rosemary's baby or um or the Omen, like those ones that aren't actually scary, but are just really, really messed up. Mm-hmm. So I think that that would be a good one. Um, that we both would. Yeah, you've seen The Wicker Man like years ago, right? I'm sure. A very long time ago. Yeah. I remember nothing. Yeah, but like I mean, yeah. you, remember, you like you remember like that? Hey, that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> there is a comic book through Image called Witches with a Y W Y T C H E S. Okay. Um, which would go really well with this. And I would recommend to you, if you're looking for comics, I've become kind of a slut for image okay. these days. It's kind of like, if it's got that little logo on it, I will buy it like without any kind of resistance. Um, and it's got some bonkers imagery on it, in it, and like people being where they're not supposed to be. And that would like, if you, you know, it, it, it does, it's not as dark or as heavy or as triggering, 
as um, certainly as, as Midsummer, but it would make some some it's got some some common threads. So yeah, there you go. If somebody's looking for something to read yeah. after that, that'd be cool too. Um, but that is episode two two seven of the Matinee Cast. Uh, as I said, stick around for the audio clip at the end of this. Um, and I really want to thank Patula Neil for coming by and as always uh, making me blush and making me laugh and just making me. Um, <laughs> come on back. <laughs> On Monday, July 29th for episode 228, I'm pretty sure we'll be discussing The Farewell. Um, Petula can be found on the In a Tiff podcast. What do you got coming up? Um, I have to do my next Keanu Reeves pod. Uh, I've decided to pivot briefly and just make it a Keanu Reeves rewatch podcast because I know how I feel about Tiff right now. So did the first one, uh, Youngblood, and then... uh, well, because I, I, ha- so I had to do it because even though he has only a bit part, right. Patrick Swayze was in it, and yes. you know later on. Yes. Yeah. No. You, you got to get right. the OG. So yep. uh, next one, I think, will be River's Edge. So sometime, hopefully this month, gotcha. I'll get a River's Edge one up. Yeah. Where can people find you on Twitter? O b e s a c a n t a v i t. Obesa Kantawit. Means the fat lady has sung. Uh, my site is thematinee.ca. For more audio content, you can find back episodes by going to thematinee.ca slash podcasting. You can also find them on Stitcher Radio, Spotify, Blueberry, whatever Apple is calling their thing now. And uh, everything gives you handy ways to subscribe for free. Get alerts when new episodes drop. If my show is not on your platform of choice, let me know and I will put it there. Feedback, <laughs> please, on Midsummer or any of the movies we talked about today can be left in the comment section of the site. You can email me, ryan at thematinee.ca, Twitter, or I'm matinee underscore ca, or facebook.com slash darkmatinee. Any final thoughts? I'm thinking a lot of thoughts <laughs> involving how flower crowns... I kind of want to make anybody who's ever worn a flower crown to Coachella watch this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, every, yeah. Everybody, who's, everybody who's ever gone to Burning Man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, everybody, yeah, yeah yes, yeah. there there are a lot of people who need to watch this movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and you know, like, 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 yeah. I think there are their choices. The daughter from Taken and the first one, yes, like, please. just what anybody asks you go on a vacation, just ask questions. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah. it's, it's really drop a pin. Yeah, uh, for Petula, <laughs> I'm Ryan. We'll see you at the matinee. All right, this is uh, a little something I've been working on. It's new. I call it uh, a blues for Nina. Yeah, Say, baby, can I be your slave? I've got to admit, girl, you're the shit girl, and I'm digging you like a grave. Now, do they call you daughter to the spinning pulsar, or maybe queen of 10,000 moons? Sister to the distant yet rising star. Is your name Yemiya? Hell no, it's got to be Oshun. Ooh. Is that a smile me put on your face, child? Wide as a field of jasmine and glover. Talk that talk, honey. 
walk that walk money. How on legs I spanked Jehovah. <laughs> Who am I? It's not important. But they call me brother to the night. And right now, I'm the blues in your left thigh. I'm trying to become the funk in your right. Who am I? I'll be whoever you say. But right now, I'm the sight-raped hunter, blindly pursuing you as my prey. And I just want to give you injections of sublime erections and get you to dance to my rhythm. Make you dream archetypes of black angels in flight upon wings of distorted, contorted, metaphoric jism. Come on, Slim. Fuck your man. I ain't worried about him. It's you who I want to step to my scene. Cause rather than deal with the fallacy of this dry-ass reality, I'd rather dance and romance your sweet ass in a wet dream. Who am I? <laughs> well, they all call me brother to the night. And right now, I'm the blues in your left thigh. Trying to become the funk in your right. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.